What's sitting on the throne of your heart? A couple weeks ago, uh, Pastor Ben put up uh, this picture for us. And he asked us to think, uh, you know, what's sitting on the throne of your heart? Uh, a few people have put it really well. They said that, um, you know, whatever sits on the throne of your heart is uh, whatever your heart clings to the most. Whatever you, you look to for happiness or meaning or identity, that is what really is sitting on the throne of your heart. It's the thing in your life that you said, if I just had that, I'd be happy, I'd be whole. So what sits on the throne of your heart? I think as Christians, we would love to say Jesus, Jesus and only Jesus. He's the only one who sits on the throne of my heart. He's the only one who can. He's the only one who can satisfy me. He died for me. He's given me everything. He is the one who sits on the throne of my heart. But I also know that in the the day-to-day rhythm of life, there are other things that are vying for that spot. There are other things in life that, that want to sneak onto that throne, that, that want to be our focus. And there are things that we look at them and we think, wow, yeah, if I really had that, I'd finally be happy. I'd finally have meaning. I'd finally have the identity that I want to have if I could just have that. So today we have, uh, we have two goals ahead of us. Uh, Goal number one is to expose the idols. The reality is, if we're we're in a battle for our hearts, uh, each and every one of us has idols in our lives that are are vying for that top spot in our heart. And the best thing we could do is shine a light and expose them. For them to sit in the dark and for us to pretend like they're not there is not really helping us. So let's shine a light, let's expose the idols for for what they really are and also for, for how powerless they are. So we're going to expose the idols and then we're going to put the true king on the throne. Right? It's not enough just to expose the idols, but we need to, to overpower the desire for these things with an even greater desire, with an even more beautiful thing that truly can satisfy us. So that's kind of our, our roadmap for, uh, for today. So what is an idol? What is idolatry? What are we talking about? Um, it'd be really nice to kind of define idolatry as a really narrow thing. It's just like, you know, it's an something made out of wood or made out of stone or it's something like, uh, you know, Allah or Buddha or something like that. But the reality is, if, if an idol is what is the functional God in our life, if an idol is the thing that we put first in our hearts, if an idol is what we really cling to the most, then an idol could be just about anything. In fact, uh, the most dangerous idols in our lives are not even bad things at all. The most dangerous idols in our lives are are good things. Blessings from God. But the problem is when when those good blessings from God become the ultimate thing in our lives, the thing that we look to for our happiness and our hope and our peace and our meaning. And when we do that, everything crumbles. We sin against God. We don't put God in his proper place in our hearts. So what are, these, what are these idols? If they're, if they're good things, um, this is the way that uh, Pastor Tim Keller puts it. He says this. He says, an idol is usually a good thing that we make an ultimate thing. We say, unless I have that, I'm nothing. Right? These, these idols, are the, the good things that we turn into ultimate things, they're especially dangerous 
because they're good blessings from God. So they're not just the type of thing that we'd say like, well, I'm just not gonna have that in my life because it's a good blessing from God, right? Things like family, things like success, things like money and food and sex and, and rest and relaxation and leisure time and all these sorts of things are good blessings from God. But if they're in the first place in our hearts, if they're the thing that we look to for ultimate meaning in life, then that's idolatry. Uh, let me just give you one example of how a really good thing can become an idol. Think of one of the things that even non-Christians in this world think of as like one of, the, one of the best blessings out there. Family. What happens when family becomes an idol? Well, if family is your idol, it's your family, or right, having a good marriage, or, or having like a, a good family, or a good relationship with your kids, or kids who are successful, or whatever it is, if that is a thing, that, that's my identity. That's my meaning in life. That's my happiness. If that's the case, then your family has become your idol. And the result isn't great. Because, you know, no kid and no spouse can take the pressure of being God. They can't handle that. And the result of, of making your family uh, your idol is that you're going to end up destroying it. Because e either you'll like uh, under-discipline or over-discipline your kids, right? You'll under-discipline them because you can't bear them to uh, think badly of you in any way, or you'll, you'll over-discipline them because you want so badly for them to be a success and for them to be a, a, a good kid. And you'll put so much pressure on your family that the result is going to be that you destroy it. That you're overbearing with your kids or, or you're, you're too loose and too lax with them and you put so much pressure on them to be your fulfillment in life that when one little thing is off, you'll try so hard to fix it. And in the process, you'll end up destroying it. A good gift from God, right? Family, a spouse, kids, right? A good gift from God. But when put in first place in your heart, it's destructive. Now, I don't want to talk too much about family and love and relationships because Pastor Ben's going to get to talk about that next week. Sorry for stealing just a small bit of your thunder there. Um, but what we're really talking about tonight is uh, these things that you might just put them in the category of pleasure, like rest, relaxation, uh, entertainment, free time, uh, food, all, all these good things. Um, we're going to think a little bit about how can those things become idols in our lives. And so if our first step is to like, expose the idols in our lives, then perhaps it would be a good thing uh, for us to just be honest tonight and to ask ourselves kind of some, some probing questions. Some questions like, uh, you know, what is it in my life that I'm actually looking to for ultimate happiness? What is the thing that I really expect to, to give me joy? Now, one good question, a great question, I think, um, someone mentioned is, what frustrates you the most? What makes you the most angry when you don't get it? Or when your expectations aren't met, what frustrates you the most? Because that just might be your idol. And it might be a good thing. James, in James 1.17, says this, says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, right? Again, we're talking about good things from God. 
But the problem is what we're doing is we're often taking the, the gift and we're putting it above the giver. Or we're taking the gift and we're asking it to do really what only the, the giver can do. So let's go back to that, that question. What is it that makes you frustrated or, or makes you angry when you don't get it? Right? You find yourself thinking like, oh man, what I don't get, when I don't get what I expected in this area of my life or when I don't get that or when this doesn't happen, it just it ruins my week. Let me just give you just a, a personal example from, uh, from my life. Um, my wife and I love to watch movies and shows together. And uh, every, there, there have been a handful of shows that we've watched that, like, you know, that come out with an episode every week. And so it's kind of like our weekly sort of ritual is like the end of the week on a Friday. Usually the new episodes come out on Friday. Like get together, we sit down, make a bowl of popcorn and sit and we'll just, just the two of us, watch it together. And it's kind of our, like, our way of unwinding from the week. And uh, the current show we're, we're watching, this is a couple weeks ago, it, uh, brand new episode came out, we we're so excited to watch it, made the popcorn, sat down together, and we watched it. And it wasn't good. It was really disappointing. It was just like, it was not like the rest of the episodes, it wasn't funny like those were. It didn't have, like, most of the characters, that, it was just, just focusing on this one character that I didn't, eh, wasn't all that interested in, and you know what, it kind of ruined my night kind of silly right <laughs> like a, sh- a show could ruin my night and then what did we do afterwards We're like well we got to find something to kind of cleanse our night right like let's find something else to watch and we ended up settling on previous episodes of the same show which we'd already seen we already knew the plot we already knew what was going to happen but uh, maybe that was an idol maybe it still is in my life uh, and maybe you've been there too where you're like ah oh, if I could just find the right the right show or the right movie, then ah, I'll finally feel at peace, right? Then I'll finally be, I'll finally be happy, right? Uh, maybe you've been in what they call a, a show hole before. It's when you finish up your favorite show and then maybe you see that dreaded thing on the bottom of Netflix where it says, uh, looking for more shows like this. You're like, no, what? This was the last season? This is the last episode? I had no idea. And then you feel like this, you feel this weird emptiness, and so you search and you, you try to find something that's like, that's similar to this. You end up Googling like shows like this show or, you know, and, and you're looking and you're searching for something to, to fill that hole. And why is that? Well, it's, it's because maybe we've looked to find our, our real ultimate happiness in something like entertainment. And the big lie is that we don't think it's, it's an issue that I've misprioritized something. It's that I just haven't found the right thing. Or I haven't found, it's, it, it, we think it's an issue of, of, of quantity or an issue of quality, right? Like, my problem isn't that I, I love entertainment too much. It's that I just can't find the right show to watch. Or I just, it's not that I, I, I'm too obsessed with entertainment. It's actually, I don't have enough time for it. And I can barely squeeze it in to, to watch the shows that I want to watch. There's so much good stuff out there, right? And, uh, but that's a lie, right? It's not that I can't find the right thing or, man, there's just not enough good stuff out there. Like, did you know that um, it's almost impossible to figure out how much stuff is actually on Netflix because it's changing so often? Like, I went through and tried to do some digging myself. And they've got years, years of content on Netflix that is continually cycling. Not to mention YouTube. I didn't realize this is just, I, I still can't even wrap my mind around this. Every day on YouTube, there are 82 years of content uploaded every day 
That means like during my sermon, depending on how long I talk here, there'll be one to two years of extra content that wasn't there when I started. And yet we find ourselves saying, oh, I can't find anything to watch. <laughs> maybe we've made an idol of, of entertainment. But, but maybe it's not uh, entertainment. Maybe it's something, something simpler, right? Maybe it's, uh, sometimes we think of these idols as like, oh, you're chasing after money and success and all these things. Maybe the thing you're chasing after is just relaxation and rest. Maybe the thing you're chasing after is just nothing. Right? Just the ability to do absolutely nothing. To sit on a beach and just do nothing or just to, to take a nap or to rest. Maybe that's the thing that, that you're just chasing after, right? Um, as, the, as the wise poet Loverboy once said, everybody's working for the weekend. And if you're chasing rest and relaxation, Maybe that, you found that kind of as your mantra. Maybe you don't say it, but that's how you feel. You know, somebody asks, how's, your, you know, how, how's it going? You say, well, it's Friday, you know, because I finally got to the end of this week, and now I get my weekend. Finally, I get to rest and relax. I get to spend my time on myself. I get to, I get to sleep in, or I get to, we get to go and do fun stuff, or whatever it is. But tell me, does the weekend ever live up to its expectations? Usually not, right? Right, the, you, you get the weekend, but then oh, you didn't have as much free time as you had, or you got your work done at work, but then when you got home, you had work to do at home around the house, or you, know, you, you went out to, well, we went to the beach, but the, ah, it was too crowded, and it really wasn't that relaxing. There was too much wind, right? And because you're chasing after this rest and this relaxation, the result is that in your chase for it, you barely enjoy it because you're seeking after this ideal of rest and relaxation that, that's out there, but you're never quite getting it. And so you're actually left going into the next week, maybe less satisfied than if you'd like not even had a weekend at all. You see, when we chase after our idols, when we, when we make these gifts of God, when we make them like the ultimate thing in our lives, not only do they not satisfy us, uh, they also kind of end up destroying us. They end up eating us alive. In fact, uh, if Solomon were here, he'd, he'd give us some really good advice about this, like we read in our reading from Ecclesiastes. Uh, Solomon would, would caution us, right? He, he would say, like, hey, the reason your idols don't satisfy you is not an issue of quantity, and I can tell you from experience. Like, Solomon was one of the richest people ever. If anyone could find out if parties and pleasure were the way to happiness, it was him. He could have the best parties, the best musicians, uh, the best people there, the best food, Right? If anyone could know if laughter and comedy were, were the ultimate thing that satisfied, it'd be Solomon, because he could find the best of the best. Right? He, he tried out wisdom. He tried out uh, landscaping and gardening. And he thought, you know, if I just, oh, I got this irrigation moving well. Man, think how, look at how smart I am. We've got irrigation in this, back in this time and making all these trees grow, and it's awesome. And look at all this stuff. And I, I did some architecture. I made all these buildings. And, and what did he say in the end? A person who could, who could have really seen it to the top. Guys, it's chasing after the wind. You know, because sometimes we think, well, it's, my problem is I just, I need a little bit more. My job works me too hard and I need more time for rest. Right? It's not that I put rest in too high of a place in my mind, it's that I don't get enough of it. And Solomon would say, no, 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 no. You are chasing after the wind. You'll never find it if that's where you look to find your, your satisfaction, if that's where you look to find your, your joy. 
And so, you know, the problem with these idols, again, we've said that they're not bad things. They're good things, but we're asking them to do something that they can't do. Picture it like this. This is kind of like a, I don't think it's a great analogy, but um, imagine someone, he's searching for the best AA battery. Longest life, you know, like, he searches brand after brand. He looks up reviews online. He buys things. He tests them out, right? He's, he's looking in every store and every online place, and he's looking for the, the best AA battery to start his car. That's, that's like what we do when, when we ask something like rest and relaxation or something like entertainment to do what God is supposed to do for us. Those things, they're just not capable of fulfilling us the way that God does. They are gifts. They're not the giver. Those things give us some level of, of joy and some level of happiness, but they're, they're not meant to give us a full life. It's like trying to take a AA battery and start a car with it. I mean, I'm no engineer, but I don't think you can really ask a battery to do that. It's like what we do when we ask those idols, those things, those gifts in our lives to be the ultimate thing. They will fail us. So, what does God think about these idols? Right? If we've shown a light a little bit on, on our idols, if we've revealed them, and we probably haven't talked about every possible thing that could be an idol in your life, but maybe some of these questions are getting you to think and you're realizing, yeah, mm, I do have some idols in my life, some things that are misprioritized. What does God think about it, though? I mean, we've probably heard God talk about idols all over the place, right? in the Bible, especially with his Old Testament people, when they were prone to following the idols of the, the people around them, and he would just say, please, please do not follow the idols of the people around you. And then they did, and he said, tear down the idols. They are like, this is, the most common adjective that God uses to describe idols in the Bible is worthless. And how, well, so what's God's attitude about idolatry? Well, of course, God, God hates it. It's sin, it's rebellion against him. But also, I think, I think it breaks God's heart. It breaks his heart because he sees you running after something that it, it can't love you like he can. He sees us chasing after things that, that can't give us joy like he can. He's, he sees us searching for things that, that to give us rest, but they can't give us rest like he can. And it's not as if, you know, God hates idolatry just because he's just kind of like bitter and envious of us. He's like, you know, I'm just so angry that they picked that other thing over me. And now I'm bitter about it and, and I'm angry because you picked that instead of me. But, but rather, with, with a compassionate love of a father, he, he sees us taking the, the very gift that he gave to us and saying, no, 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 God, you, you actually can't help me with this, but, but I know that this, this can. Like a parent who gives a good, a good gift to their, their child and then the, and the child pushes mom and dad away to spend more time with this gift instead of appreciating the, the giver. Idolatry, it breaks God's heart. And, uh, you know, these idols, these things, these gifts from God, they can't, they can't satisfy us like God can. So what do we do? What we need to do is we need to put the true king on the throne. 
We realize the emptiness of these idols, the way that they can't fully, truly satisfy us. And, you know, these good things, they, they, we're not going to remove them from our lives. Like, we're not going to remove our family or, or food or, or entertainment or rest and relaxation. We're not just going to say, well, I just need to push that out of my life and then I can focus on God. No, it's just a change of attitude about what these gifts are. Because the gifts that God gives us are, are meant. They're meant to show us the goodness of the giver. Think of something so, so wonderful like food. I mean, sometimes we can turn food into an idol, right? Think of how much money and time we spend and how much we rearrange our schedules just to have good food, right? But God loves good food. In fact, good food and the fact that there's, there's a variety in, in texture and flavor and different types of food, it shows God loves, he, he delights in being, uh, create, in creatively blessing us. He loves that. He loves to be creative in blessing us because, you know, God invented taste buds. You realize that? Your tongue is not some just like muscle flipper that flips food back into your gullet. It's like you can taste sweetness and you can taste saltiness and you can, um, you can taste all these wonderful things about food. It's just meant to nourish us, right? He could have given us a little, like a little stick to chew on, give us all the nutrients we need, but he gives us food, wonderful, beautiful food, and it's meant to show us, wow, God, you are, you're so wise, you're, you're so creative, you're so, you're so giving. You are not monotone. You, you are beautiful. Or the gift of, of rest and relaxation is a good gift from God. And, and God gives us the ability to rest and to relax because he wants us to be able to see, yeah, you, you feel that? Oh, you feel that? Wait till you get to experience ultimate rest. Not rest in a grave somewhere, but rest from all your work in heaven where everything is taken care of where he says there's no more working for the weekend and running around and feeling like you have to work and work and work, you'll be able to rest. And not just in heaven, but now too. God wants to give you rest for your soul. That you're working so hard, so hard to think, can I please God? Am I pleasing God with my life? How can I improve it to, to please God? And he says, stop, be still. I sent a savior for that. And the work is done. So your soul today can rest and relax, and that's real rest. That's real rest that, that a week of work cannot take away, and a ruined weekend can't touch. It's real rest. What about entertainment? It's a, it's a wonderful gift from God. It's meant to remind us of the goodness of the giver. Realize God invented laughter? He invented the, the pleasure centers in our brain, the, the chemicals that get released when we feel Laughter and joy, and God loves it when we laugh. He loves that. He loves to see us happy and, and joyful. And, and he longs to bring us to a place of ultimate happiness. Oh, he's so excited for it. He can't wait to give us that ultimate gift in heaven. He says, my child, oh man, you think this is good. You think that show is funny. You think that concert was great. You think that music was beautiful. Just wait. Oh, just wait. I've got even better gifts coming for you. The goodness of the, the gifts is meant to remind us of the goodness of the, the giver. And the key to all this is, is Jesus. Listen to these words that he says in John 10, verse 10. I came that they may have life and have it to the full. It's kind of a little opposite maybe from what we think of 
Think about what it means to become a Christian. I think sometimes we think, well, if I'm going to become a Christian, I've got to say no to this and I've uh, got to say no to that and I've got to start following all these rules where God's going re- to restrict my life and if I become a Christian, life's going to become kind of worse and boring. I came that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus came from a place of ultimate comfort, of ultimate rest and relaxation, and, and he left that to come to a place of hurt and pain and sin, to come to a place of brokenness and disappointment, to, to live a, a real human life here, and then to take the weight of all of our sins and all of our idolatry and all of the times we've pushed God off the throne of our lives and said, no, thank you, this thing will do instead. He died to take away every one of those sins. He says, he came that they may have life and have it to the full. That was the purpose of Jesus coming. Not to to restrict your life, but to give you real full life. And so so maybe when we think about what it means to really be a true Christian, maybe we think, well, God restricts my life and he gives me more rules. Do you think God wants your life to be worse? When you read God's laws and God's encouragements and, and, and the things that he, he tells us we should do and the things he tells us we should avoid, do you think he's trying to make your life worse? Don't you realize that, that maybe if we actually trusted him, it might be a blessing? But if we actually listen to him about the things he says we should, we should chase after and the things we should stop chasing, that life to the full wouldn't just be something we get in heaven, but it's something we could get to taste right here. He came so that, that we could have life and have it to the full. I mean, maybe when God gives those encouragements in his word, maybe it's that he longs to, to tear you away from the counterfeit joy that doesn't really satisfy. That he wants to keep you from a, a pleasure that you think will give you ultimate pleasure but in, in, the, in the end will result in pain. Maybe it's because he he really longs to give you real rest for your soul. That's our king. That's the one that that deserves to sit on the throne of of my heart and yours. The one who delights to bring you joy and happiness and peace and rest. The one who will give us ultimate joy and peace and rest in heaven, but even gives it to us now and in great abundance. Like Jesus said in John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the ability to, uh, to be able to expose our idols and to see them for what they really are. Thank you for your good gifts, for all the things you've given to us to make our life a joy and to give us rest and to give us entertainment. Thank you for all those beautiful gifts. Help us in those gifts to see your goodness. Um, Help us not to put them on the throne or look to them for ultimate meaning or happiness, but to use them to point us to what is ultimately joy, which is you. What is ultimately rest, which is you. Help us to cling to that and to nothing else. In Jesus' name, amen.